evening, Patriots. And it's the end of Thursday, May 18th in the year 2023. We are in such an intense moment. And it's easy to look at this enemy and think that they have the high ground. And they are literally everywhere at a very certain point. An infiltration, which is more like an infestation and an infection. It's moved like a virus through the population. And the truth is that it really is a sickness that is rooted in a singular belief system. It's the cult that has built a belief around me, which is personified in the terms of liberalism and to the more extreme progressive liberalism. It's a disease. And unfortunately, all of that disease wraps around singularly into the ideas that includes more than just the left, the what we would call the left. There's plenty on the right that are consumed with the same problem, which is this consumption of worship of idols and me. And even worse is the obedience to a state. So before we go further, this is really an important time to make sure that you're doing all you can to ensure that your health in your body is full and strong. And so part of that is to use supplements that are natural and are not going to overburden yourself with things that need a science book to translate. Field of Greens is one of those things. It is a whole food supplement powder. One scoop, mix it with water, shake it up real quickly, and then drink it, and it's fantastic. It is rich with antioxidants. It is strong with all the things your body needs to be to build and restore. It's rich with minerals and nutrients and vitamins. has everything we need to boost the metabolism and your health and immune system. And it's just a fantastic product. Fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. It's organic. Like I said, Whole Foods, as God intended us to use as the basis for our body health. It's headquartered in the United States. Its headquarters is in Texas super quality product and designed in a way that literally when you read the label, it is like reading a laundry or a shopping list, not a science label. I take it every day. I have been taking it now for a couple of months, absolutely impressed with what it's doing on so many levels. In fact, I was just thinking this morning, it's like there's just a number of things have improved from my skin health to my overall body health sleep, everything has just really been positive with it. And the more that we move towards these natural basis of things that God provides, the better we get. So if you head over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, you're going to get 15% off when you use your Bards code. And if you sign up for a monthly subscription, which you can cancel at any time or suspend at any time, you'll get an additional 10% off. I'm going to tell you, once you start, it's pretty likely you're going to continue. And I, I was, like all things, when I start stuff, I'm a little skeptical um, by nature. That's who I am. I've been taking this for two months. Very impressed. The best, the best supplement I've ever taken, without any doubt. Really like it. So again, fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS, 15% off when you use the promo code. Sign up for a monthly subscription. Get an additional 10% off. You're going to love it. Great product. And they have some other products there you might be interested in as well. But that's the feature product that's just outstanding. So anyway, check it out. You will not be disappointed. You know, it's a, a situation we're in right now where the nation's going to have to face a very brutal reality. And the brutal reality is this, that every person that has gone along with this tyranny, and that goes from people that were in the tyranny of the medical tyranny, the people were part of the mask tyranny, and even the people that turned their back and did nothing. And just to quietly try to skirt this and hopefully this blows over. Here's the harsh reality. Had Hitler been in power and they would have been setting up their concentration camps, all of these people that went along with the shot, all these people that have turned their back on the Constitution to try to stay to their job, stay out of it, turned their back on America and what we stood for, they all would have been Nazis or at least part of the National Socialist Party. That's a sad statement. And that's literally where we are because this, this group that's doing this is no different. 
Germany went through that harsh and dark reality. After World War II, it had to face itself. That's a very humbling moment for a nation. And we are going to go through the same thing, and we must, because what has happened here is a, it's unconscionable of what these people have been doing. And it's just one of these things that I just I shake my head at. It's just how compliant people have become. But it seems in this moment, like I started to say too, this the enemy is everywhere, and it seems to be overwhelming at points. So I really want to jump into the, uh, the two kings, and it's two kings six, starting at twenty four, the siege of Samaria. And um, read through this a bit because there's some real good lessons in here. And the way God works, and as well of just people, whether they realize it or not, becoming huge heroes. So we begin. Now it came about after this that Ben hated Ben Hadad, king of Aram, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. There was a great famine in Samaria, and behold. They besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and a fourth of a cab of dove's dung for for five shekels of silver. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help, my lord, O king, he said, if the Lord does not help you, from where I shall from where shall I help you? from the threshing floor or from the wine press. And the king said to her, what is the matter with you? And she answered, the woman said to me, this woman said to me, give me your son that they may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath, beneath all his body. Then he said, May God do so to me and more also, if the head of Elisha, of Elisha the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king's the king sent a man from his presence. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how his son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? Look when the messenger comes. Shut the door and hold the door shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind you? While he was still talking and with them, be, them, behold, the messenger came down to him and said, Behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? The siege was obviously so intense. All food was being had been consumed, and they were down to cannibalism. The armies were out and about, and people had basically given up. And what's really interesting here is how they've also lost their faith. Behold, this evil is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? There's the impatience. There is the wavering of faith. And there is the expectation that the Lord is on our clock, that we're not on his And so much of this mindset has gotten has settled into them that they are defeated people at this point in time. And we're going to juxtapose that with what comes next. So we continue at seven. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. The royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man 
of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Then he said, Behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. If we sit here, we will die also. Now therefore come and let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we will but die. They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of the great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp just as it was, and fled for their life. When these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and came from the silver and, and carried from the silver and the gold and the, and the clothes and went and hid them. And they returned and entered another tent and carried from there also and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping it silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and they called to the gatekeepers of the city. They told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Arameans, and behold, there was no one there, nor the voice of man only the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents just as they were. The gatekeepers called and told it within the king's household. Then the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone from the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we will capture them alive and get into the city. One of his servants said, Please, let some men take five of the horses which remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they will be in any case like all the multitude of Israel who are left. Behold, they will be in any case like all the multitude of Israel who have already perished. So let us send and see. They took, therefore, two chariots with horses, and the king sent after the army of the Arameans, saying, Go and see. They went after them to, to the Jordan, and behold, all the way was full of clothes, equipped with an equipment which Arameans had thrown away in their haste. Then the messengers returned and told the king. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. Then a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king appointed the royal officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled on him at the gate, and he died just as the man of God, he said, who spoke when the king came down to him. It opened just as the man of God has spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel will be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Then the royal officer answered the man of God and said, Now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, Behold, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled on him at the gate, and he died. I love this passage, by the way. It's an amazing insight. You have one group of people that are desperate in hunger. They're the people captive in the city who have been besieged, and they've given up on the Lord for the most part. 
I mean, obviously, they're eating children. And they're so foolish that one lady actually buys into the idea of giving her children so they could eat, so that waiting for the other lady to give her child to eat, which is just a big scam. People are turning on one another. They're, their morality is broken. It's desperate. There's a lot in this, like us right now, in the state that we're in as a nation. We see people doing more evil than good. We see it obvious that it's evil. And people still, the people that were doing the evil turn and do more evil. And we ask ourselves, why? And it's just this perpetuation of darkness that becomes darker. And then people start to scramble for themselves. And it's all about me. The story of the two women is critical because one is understanding the woman and making the sacrifice of giving her child as horrific as it is to feed. And the other is about what can I do to manipulate the other to get my child safe, and so manipulates to have the other one eat the children, her child as she hides hers. It's sickness. This is truly the most base level of human existence. And so the city's in a desperate place, morally and spiritually, the whole thing. Now, the four lepers are fantastic to me because these four leprous men have already gone to the end of their rope. There, there's nothing left for them. And they make that case very clear. If they go into the city, they're going to die of starvation. If they stay at the gate, they're going to die of starvation. So what is there to lose? Now, because this, in my opinion here, because the city still has this ideal of going back to normal. Sound familiar? Going back to normal. They keep clinging on to what was, and they don't realize where they are. They're at the end of their rope, but they can't see it. They're so far at the end of their rope, they literally are there eating children and eating people, and they can't see it because they keep thinking of as things used to be, the restoration of the kingdom as it was. But the lepers don't have that problem. They've already been cast out by the very virtue of what they have as a disease. They already are sitting at the gate and they're sitting there starving. And if they go inside, they know they're going to starve even more. So they're left only with the most logical answer. Let's just go to the Arameans. Let's just go there. And if they decide to kill us, then we'll be dead and it'll all be over. But they could also give us food. We don't know much about the specifics of the Arameans here. But what we do know is obviously there's they were mighty enough to siege the city, and the city didn't have a defense enough to endure it. But that made things even worse. What would have happened, we could ask, if the gates had been opened and the entire city flooded out against the Arameans? I don't know. But that option isn't even on the table for people, even in their point of desperation. So they choose to sit and hobble and, and in a hovel and they die, and they would die if otherwise it had it not been for the four lepers. So the four leopards walk out there. This is literally like the, it, it's what Pastor Brad Cummings refers to as the leper shuffle. It's awesome. And as they go there in the shuffle, God makes that shuffle into a sound of chariots, into a sound of an army. And that's what the Arameans hear. Now, this is one of these great moments where God's literally taking his most broken and he's using them to bring greatness to the moment. And so they go out there and they discover everything they want. I mean, there's food, there's clothes, there's gold, there's silver, there's donkeys, there's horses. And they do what anybody would probably do at that moment. They immediately think, oh, what an opportunity. We can start hoarding things and they become another extension of who's in the city, the same type of thing. They're, they're going to take for themselves. And then that epiphany, that moment. And whether it's the Holy Spirit that sets in in their heart, whether it's just a foundation of moral understanding, whether it's the idea that the lepers themselves had already been victimized by a society because they themselves were seen as outcasts, whatever the reason, they extend and live through one of the greatest things that we're told to do at all times, love thy neighbor. And they choose to go back to the city and share the news. And even then it's taken with suspicion. This is so much like the fight of our, of our truth. We're sitting here right now 
most of us on the outside of the gates. If we go into the matrix where the those that live in this cult live, they would happily see us starve still to this day. They don't have the presence of mind to realize that they're being encapsulated in the mind more than in the body. And so we sit at this edge and we look across and we see this massive army. And we ask ourselves, what do we do? So we have a choice like the lepers and we can do a certain thing. We can decide to walk into the enemy's camp right face into the enemy, leave those behind that are being willfully enslaved in their minds, and we can walk towards the enemy. And we could, in this version of the story, we could say, hey, we're here. We're not going to be intimidated by you. But you need to stop what you're doing. And we could make that presence. We could do that with the authorities given to us by Christ. To step on snakes and scorpions and to, to have dominion over all the, all the evil. Or we could stay at the gate and die as well. Either way, there's you're going to die one way or the other. And this is where the lepers have so much more on them and where the lepers become a metaphor for everyone that has endured this last three years of absolute abject stupidity, insanity, and psychopathic behavior. We understand where we're at. We understand that at this point, there's no going back. We can't go back in there. And we know if we just sit here idle and do nothing, the mass of idiots behind us are going to sink the ship. Or we can just be bold. We can wait for the army to come. In our case, the veterans and the army to mobilize because I guess the military is the only way, according to some. Or we can be the army. And even though we don't have the arms that the army does. We don't have the equipment that the FBI or the CIA or the DHS teams do, or even the military itself. We were outgunned in that sense. What we do have is something greater than any of them have. And that is we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have Father God. The leopards demonstrate this. In the walk out, the army literally of the Arameans believes that this is a massive invasion against them. They believe, they hear chariots, they hear things. If you've ever been camping at night in the woods, you know very well how sounds can just completely transform. I was backpacking up the Umpqua River. I was up near Tokadi Falls. This is quite a number of years ago. I'd set up my tent at night. And there was a elk in rut that came by. Let me tell you, that's a very intense experience when you've got an elk in rut coming by your tent. And, but it, you, your mind can go crazy. You can think it's a Sasquatch. You can think it's a bear. And be, unless you look outside the tent and look, you're not going to know what it is. Well, the people in the city were doing just that, staying behind the walls, not wanting to look out, letting the fears and everything of manifest of this siege consume them, now going so far as to eating children. And here the lepers are sitting out here, the wisest of them all, going, dude, we got nothing to lose. And that's exactly where if we are truly walking with Christ, we understand we have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And then, like I said, the most amazing thing is after they get past this personal me moment, the real sense of the human heart that they contain, their true reveal of their heart as men shows through. Because they say, ah, no. We'll be cursed if we continue to hoard this. This has to be for those of the city. And they go back and they tell them. Amazing. Amazing. It's interesting to note the behaviors again. The city goes out and they end up plundering what's there. And... It shows a desperation of a people. It also shows 
to a certain degree, just who we are, unfortunately, as people. There is a desperation when we get to these points that if we could check it, if we could measure it, trying to keep our lives more level rather than ups and downs, we'd find a more reasoned existence to where we are. You can imagine with the suffering that these people are going through that the other side of that, what they were looking for and going back to normal was this other idea of wealth and plentifulness. But it wasn't there. So you see the extremes. They go from a prosperous society to a, to a broken society, a desperate, desperate society. Look around our own world right now and ask yourself what would happen if we had starvation in cities. We don't talk a lot about the outcome of details. We just say things in general like now things get pretty crazy. It could get pretty dangerous. We could talk of things like that. But let's, let's apply what we've read here today and think about what this desperation could look like if there was a cutoff of food in a city. People have lost their way of taking care of themselves. In a desperation, they haven't prepared well. And even if they had prepared some, it's not going to be enough. They still rely on the local shopkeeper, the local store, even the chain stores to go get their food. They grow little. That's the city. Water is dependent upon a system that's run by pumps and is central processings of, of water. And if that goes down or things get infected or in, in any way, people don't know what to do. I've told you this story before, being in Portland, Oregon, during my kind of my last couple years there, there was a water scare that happened. There was an E. coli infection that happened in the main reservoir. So an alert went out to all the Portlanders. It was, you need to boil your water. You need to boil your water for 15 minutes. And be honest with you, there's plenty of water filters that could take that out too. But the reaction of the city was if they had lost everything, as if the water was undrinkable. There was a frenzy to buy water, insane. We saw this with when I stopped in on my walk down to the office and not even paying attention to it because I didn't. We, I always maintained a stock of survival and prep stuff. Water concerns were not my problem. I, can't, I had water filters at my office. I have water filters at my house. We had extra, plenty of extra water at my house and down at the, at the office. And I swung into Whole Foods, not thinking twice about it. Don't like shopping at Whole Foods, but it happened to be the only store on the way that had what I wanted, which was a, bottle, a couple bottles of Pellegrino, mineral water. And as I walked in, the store itself looked okay, but the water shelves, which was a full aisle, top floor, from the floor to the ceiling almost, in that sense of how high, and I guess there are about eight foot high shelves there. It looked like somebody took a grenade in there. I mean, it was just water cases ripped open. What was left was just ravaged. It was just the afterthoughts of what people left behind in a frenzy. And you could tell there had been people trying to steal, mix match cases, all that. So I rummaged around. There was no Pellegrino. I rummaged around and found a couple bottles of Italian sparkling water, which not even remembering the brand. I just remembered very clearly, don't ever buy it again because it wasn't any good. But irrelevant for this story. And I got up to the cashier. It's a young lady. I'm going to guess she was like mid-20s. And she looked like somebody had literally just like beat her up and at night and woke her up all of a sudden and said, go to work. She was roughed up, not physically bruised, but just that sort of exhaustion, like a hard night out drinking and then suddenly getting up in the morning and having to go to work. Thing is, that wasn't what got her that way because I asked her, I said, well, it looked like you've had a pretty rough time. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's been rough. I said, all that for water? And this was her comment, which was the second layer of this. She said, no, it wasn't the water. These people can't get their caffeine fix. I said, what are you talking about? She says, every coffee shop in Portland. Now, remember, I've told you this before. I used to live in Portland on Southwest Hills down to my office, which was downtown next to the Pearl District, which is right where Antifa Central is these days. There was 21 Starbucks along that walk, not counting independent coffee shops. 
And when I say along that walk, that would be like me mapping it on Google. And then you can see within a distance of maybe five blocks each way on that map. So along that way, there were 21 Starbucks, not counting independent coffee shops. Portland is a coffee city. And it's an espresso coffee city. And what she pointed out is every one of those coffee shops had to close because of the boil water mandate. And all these people that were dependent upon a system that couldn't get their coffee espressos, their double cream latte with vanilla twist or whatever they do every morning, a skinny latte with, with a lime chunk and a, and a bit of soy twist on, I don't know, whatever they do, these crazy drinks. They couldn't get their coffee. And they were literally off the chain. That insight was really profound. I used it even in a, in a Department of Defense briefing to talk about how easy mega cities and in, in complex living systems like this in cities can be destabilized simply by a disruption that causes a ripple effect. New York City was one we looked at, for example, in just the what happens if you disrupted cab service, taxi service. But I digress. All of this is, creates an environment in a city that was a frenzy. These people believed they were living through a lie. They were believing it was like, nothing, nothing to, we can't drink anything unless we all go buy water. And the water supplies across the entire city were ravaged within hours. People rolling out of their out of shopping or, um, grocery stores with cases and cases and cases of water, thinking, my goodness, it's like the end of the world. None of it was true, but they believed it. See, in this story, there's just something very profound here that happens. I don't know to what degree these people are locked into the city, but it's evident that the army is quite a ways off because the four lepers have to walk quite a ways to get to them. And it's their walk of the four lepers, the leper shuffle, that sends this sound wave out there that God uses to shake up the Arameans as they run away. So we know it is quite a distance. And so we were at this crazy point in a city that they're so consumed with the idea of end of times and death. What's keeping them from going outside the walls and doing what the lepers did? What's keeping them is this anchor of the way things used to be. They can't face reality. And that's just where we are today. People are unable to face reality. They keep wanting to go back. They keep wanting to go back to the way things were. I think you've probably heard that song, Bye Bye Mr. American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee and the levee was driving. That whole song just fits so well in this story right now. If I had it, I'd play it. And so we're in a, we're in a world right now. Um, where people are locked into an old narrative and those that are speaking truth are now sitting on the outside of the gate. And we're going to be the ones that ultimately free them. Because what we're discovering is as we push into evil, we lean into it. They aren't as fierce as we thought they were. We're not going to waste our time as much listening to their narratives on top and we're going to focus locally. We discover that when we work in our garden and work in our properties and we put our focus on food and raising food and doing whatever else we have to do, we discover some amazing things that those people that are making all the noise don't matter. We're literally, literally living in two worlds right now, the world of the doing and the hands-on, getting your hands dirty and sowing seeds versus the world of the narrative where we're living inside these bubble narratives that they create. And it's causing those that live in there to literally die of, of a mental starvation and metaphorically eat their children, which would be things like having your child get snip and tucked or worse. But the courage and what God rewards are those who ultimately say, that's it. We got nothing else to lose. And in our case, it's even greater because we have a savior that died for us. There is nothing to lose. There's always everything to gain here. 
but always to remember that there is something big coming here that's shaking these people up, that's accelerating their timeline, driving them to do crazier things, again, being exposed into the open. We see it. Do we believe it? I don't know that we have to. Let me explain. Because I think I see this a lot. We had, obviously, Wano saving on last night. It stirred up a lot of conversations, people asking questions like, who is this guy? How do we know it's true? I've heard this too long in my life, that the, the arrests are coming, this are coming. I get that. And I'm not going to counter that by saying, don't worry, patriots, it's all going to be okay, because that's not what I'm going to say. What is interesting is the lepers don't have to believe in God. They just have to accept that whatever's there is not worth being afraid of. And no matter what the outcome, it's better than sitting and dying. That's profound. As we look over there, they don't, we're not talking about Jesus, and yet we have Jesus. And we know he's given us the guarantee of life. So when we're looking at this foolishness that's going on in the world, we can make a choice to live within the city walls, or we can make a choice to say, you know what, I'm just going to walk towards the camp and screw them. They'll either allow me in or we'll die. Which, it's not saying you're being, a, you're not casting yourself into suicide, you're being that martyr to say, it doesn't matter because nothing you have on me can control me. And that's what the lepers do. And in so doing, God rewards that heart. He uses that walk to shake up the Arameans who run away. And then the lepers who have nothing, who are broken, who have literally been outcast by the society. The best part about this whole story, who have been outcast, completely outcast, <laughs> are the ones that save everybody. The ones that they rejected become the ones that save them and bring them home and keep them from eating their children anymore. Pretty amazing. See, being a remnant's a pretty good deal. Having walked this walk is a pretty big deal. We've endured something that most have not, and not we're not boasting ourselves. This isn't about arrogance, and that's another big part of this story. There's no arrogance in the lepers. In fact, in that moment where they have those quick moments of doing what most people do to hoard, they come back to the humbleness of who they actually are. We need to share this with the others because they understand something that the others don't. They understand what it is to be totally outcast and have nothing, and the heart of the lepers shines through to lead the people to hope. And so in that final little, I won't call it a twist as much as I would call it a pinch in the story. In the end, the people go and they, and they go and discover after they've sent the army out, they go and they discover that the Arameans have left and run away. And now the city floods out. The lepers aren't rewarded anymore, but the people are there to ravage what is there. The frenzy of hoarding and collecting hits them all. It's an interesting story. It's an interesting deep reflection on who we are and who perhaps we should be. I know this. God wants us to have a humble heart. I know this, that God wants us to love thy neighbor. And I also know that God doesn't want us to be obedient slaves to a system that's built to destroy us with our own mind. God wants us to be free. But to be free, you have to be courageous. And to be courageous, you have to be like one of the four lepers. You have to be willing to stand. You have to be willing to take that walk. And when you do and you've followed your heart, you bet God can make your steps sound like a warring battalion of chariots, a legion of chariots coming in to shake the hearts of those that are hearing it. God can do all those things. Biggest question is, are we willing to take that walk and trust in him to that power? Or are we going to lock the gate and stay within the walls? I know me. I don't know you, but I know me. I'm going to walk that walk of the leper. I'm good with it. Because part of that enrichment is so much greater. It's part of the feeding and the, the nourishment isn't coming from the physical things of 
where the Arameans are. The greatest nourishment came from Father God, the spiritual connection and the Holy Spirit that was living in that moment. And that is truly the great reward. Patriots, let's pray. Father, just want to thank you as we come together and just humble ourselves here before you and thank you for the time in which we live, the wisdom in the word in the scripture that is so deep, and the ability for us to reflect on these stories and learn from them to gain insight to the challenges that we have currently and the things that lie ahead of us. Father, right now, our nation needs great wisdom. And it's not just our nation. The world needs great wisdom. There's a lot of insane frenzy going around. Obviously, much of it is being cast like spells using a media apparatus that keeps people encased in a mind bubble. So we're going to declare a rupturing of that bubble, and we're going to cast it out, break it, the authorities that you've given to us. And we're, we're praying now, Lord, tr- Lord, truly for the breaking of these sort of cultish controls over people's thoughts. We're praying for the, sh- the leper shuffle, Lord. That sound as the remnant moves about that echoes so profoundly that you magnify, you turn into greatness that ripples across this nation, ripples across the world as the remnant walks and moves, that it truly sends a shockwave through those that are tied into the cult. And instead of staying in the cult, it rocks them to run away from the cult, to flee, to be left to wander and seek you. That's what our prayer is, Father, because we know it's possible. With you, all things are possible. Father, hear our prayers and guide us. Continue to provide us with the wisdom of understanding what our true authorities are as the sons and daughters of you, the Most High, the Lord of hosts. And Father, we pray for that raising up of this new warrior class, a warrior class that doesn't lead with anger, but it leads with grace, a warrior class that doesn't lead with the sword of steel, but always carries one, but leads with the sword of the spirit in a mighty way to heal rather than to cut. But always with the strength to remind its enemy that if there is a line in which you go too far, that may cost you all that you have. And it's that balance of prayer and decisive action on the battlefield that we ask that you help awaken deep within every warrior as we walk mightily in this time. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Well, patriots, it's something, something to reflect on, something to do to pray, to be bold, to lean in, to be like the four lepers, to not sit back and wait, but to pursue that which you know has to be pursued without fear. And in so doing, in the ultimate act, the fearless act of four frees an entire city to find its hope again in the spoils left behind by an enemy that thought four men or a, or a legion coming to destroy them. How great our Father is. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. It's Prayer Friday. If you have prayer requests, make sure and get them in. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe To the deepest end. Oh.